Hi, this is Bobby Ryan of the Detroit Red Wings, and you are listening to Empty Betters with Nick, Mack, and Harrison. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to episode 83 of Empty Betters. I'm your host, Harrison Scholes, and I'm going to toss it across the screen to my co-host, Nick Manella. How we doing, buddy? Doing well, man. How about you? Got some pep in the step. Big episode yeah. today. Uh, lots going on, lots to talk about, but we'll get into that in a second. And I am going to toss it across the screen to my other co-host, Mac Vogel. How we doing, Margarita Mac? Doing good. Uh, just hit the snooze button about 72 times. I've been up for about nine minutes. So, um, you know, I'm uh, feeling good. I don't know if I would say pep in my step. I don't know if that's the term I would use personally for myself, but I'm glad to hear that you have that going on. And hopefully I can channel some of that from you and, and get I'm a, going here. I'm a psychopath, dude. I am such a morning person, but probably to a fault. I, I piss a lot of people off with that kind of energy. So, um, you know, we're rocking and rolling here early in the morning. We got a lot to talk about, so we're going to get right into it. But before we do, we just want to give you guys a big announcement. Um, we are going to be doing something, and I'm not going to say what yet, but we are going to be doing something with Craig and Courtney Lachlan here in the near future. We've been working on a project with them. Uh, I believe we should be able to announce what that is hopefully next week. That's the goal, uh, but you're going to have to be on the lookout on our social media platforms for that and secondly if you haven't already go check out the summer merch we've gotten some great feedback on that so far i think it's very obvious that the uh miami vice shirt that nick designed was just a five star awesome great selling shirts so i've seen a lot of people catching a lot of fish wearing those that merch yeah Yeah. and like having coincidences there but there's basically if you want to catch fish you should probably be rocking some of that merch it just seems like their quality of life has improved i've seen people on boats with it so apparently if you buy the shirt you also get a boat like you know it's it's what i'm hearing so that's a pretty good deal yeah yeah speaking of boats we have a uh, new sponsor on today's episode so keep a uh, ear out (laughs) for that and uh, one other thing, and probably the most obvious thing, today's episode is our first current NHL player that we've had on the podcast. We were lucky enough to be joined by NCAA champion and New York Rangers rookie defenseman Zach Jones. Uh, awesome so we, interview. Yeah, just a great Great kid, and I, I mean kid quite literally because I think he's 20. So He is 20. Um, yeah, that was kind of interesting because I I don't look at myself as older than people, but that he's was kind of weird. He's 20, and he's accomplished way more than the three of us ever will. <laughs> ever will. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, that was pretty cool to sit down with him. Uh, quick little quirk I think that's kind of funny is yesterday, and we'll get into the news here shortly, but yesterday the, the Rangers hired Gerard Gallant as their new head coach, I think at like, 5 35 in the afternoon and it was like 30 minutes before we talked to him yeah so uh we actually kind of broke the news to him which was pretty fucking cool so uh who would have thought that the the three kids from maryland running a a a podcast is about gambling is going to end up breaking news watch Uh, galant lead the rangers to a cup in like three years and 
they're like asking Galan or they're asking Jones like, where were you when you when you heard? Oh my god, <laughs> where your new funny. coach was. Oh That'd be really funny. Uh, but yeah, big epi on tap. Uh, we're very excited. We're very thankful for Zach's time. That was truly, you know, really cool for us. So uh, yeah. we appreciate it. But Nick, I'm gonna toss it across the screen to you for the league news. Yeah, so we have a bunch of news to get to today. Uh, a bunch of trophy finalists that were announced, uh, a bunch of free agency rumors that, of course, we have to touch on. But first and foremost, I wanted to talk about uh, Justin Bieber, Austin Matthews, and Freddie Anderson taking in that UFC action together. I mean, that's pretty cool that they all get to get, you know, together and hang out and do stuff like that. I feel like, you know, you don't typically see like hockey players doing that all the time. Uh, but I think this has to kind of suck for them because since they played for the Leafs, they probably asked them to leave the UFC fight after the first round. Ooh. Ooh. Sorry, I had to. That it was, was, it was that right was there. Cold. It was right well, there. I had to. You've been working on that for a while, I think, because hadn't you, I remember you mentioned to us you had a you had a good joke. When I was writing the notes, I was yeah. like, oh, I can't not do this. Did so. you hear? Uh, it was good. I was listening to Rick's podcast and he was talking about how he's like not a huge fan of how like he's like Austin's always out with him and stuff. I'm like, I don't think he's, I don't think it's really doing any harm, but I I don't think it's, I feel like these kids are such robots now with the way they handle like the on ice off ice stuff. So yeah. I also think honestly it could be good for the game. I mean, he was in a fucking video with him, wasn't he? And and eventually people are going to be like, who the hell is this fucking Yeah. I think Leafs fans Beauty are just not here. sure what to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they can't comprehend what's going on right now. So, yeah, who can blame them? I mean, it's a it's an interesting situation up in Toronto. But uh, I saw a tweet just the other day that was like, "All right, I just got over the Leafs' loss. I'm ready to pay attention to hockey again, or something like that." Like literally yeah. just now. Yeah. yeah. I used to be that way. Like when the caps like used to get knocked out all the time, Uh, you know, like like they kind of do now. Um, I would like, (laughs) I would like skip the next round basically. And then like come back and then redial and go, all right, whatever. The team that beat me is out now. So whatever. I don't care. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You get it. Uh, Some other cool news to get to. Taya Curry became the first female player ever chosen into the Ontario Hockey League selection draft last Saturday. She's 16 years old from Park Hill, Ontario, and she was selected in the 14th round by the Sarnia Sting. So that's awesome to see. Pretty sick. Yeah, that's pretty damn cool. Uh, The Columbus Blue Jackets have named Brad Larson as their new head coach. Uh, Larson's going to be the eighth bench boss in Jackets history, and he succeeds John Tortorella, of course. Uh, he's been an assistant with the Jackets for the last seven seasons. Uh, what expectations do you have for this team going into next year? I honestly don't have a lot of them. I don't either, um, but I've definitely been wrong in the past. Uh, I, I, I don't want to get into this too much, but I was talking at dinner last night with a buddy just about next season and the Metro division when the alignment goes back and it's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard. And for a team like the Jackets, I mean, I think the Pens and Caps are going to have their own struggles, to be honest with you. So if they're struggling, I think the Jackets are going to be mightily struggling. Is yeah. um is it confirmed that everything's just going back to normal? That's what they, that's what they think said so. before this season started, that this was just a temporary thing. But, okay. um, you know, pick your poison. We lose Boston, but we get Carolina back. So right. 
they kind of enough. how's yeah. it it doesn't really matter to be honest and honestly moving forward that might become worse and worse i think carolina's trending up and boston's probably trending down if anything so yeah exactly. and it's not just carolina it's like, i mean look at the rangers they're trending in the right direction too and the islanders are right they're not going anywhere so yeah uh, so. Speaking of the Rangers, as you mentioned, Harry, they hired Gerard Gallant as their new head coach uh, that comes to us from Larry Brooks at the New York Post. Uh, I think this is a great hiring. I don't think, you know, anyone has said a bad thing about this guy or a bad thing about this move for the Rangers. I think, you know, with the amount of young talent they have, I think Gallant is the perfect coach for a team like this. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what he can do uh, behind the bench there. The I, heart. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say I, he's been good everywhere he's gone so yeah. i would expect nothing different here yeah um don't to this day i don't understand why vegas ever got rid of him but i don't but hey i guess you can't really give him too much no. shit because look what's going they're, on right they're now trying to squeeze like 15 years worth of franchise drama into like five years to like get everyone thinking that they're like an actual hockey team that's why right. they did that, you know yeah. Yikes. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, the league announced the finalists for the Hart Trophy, uh, which is the league MVP. If you don't know that, uh, guess who? Uh, Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, Nathan McKinnon. Axed. Um, yeah, it's probably the most predictable trio of all time. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, I can tell you who's going to win that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. They also announced the finalists for the Jack Adams Award, which is the best coach. You had Rod Brindamore in Carolina, Dean Evason in Minnesota, and Joel Quenville in Florida. All three of those were names that we brought up when we tossed some ideas around. So good job, boys. Uh, Harry going to say Sullivan snub? Sully yeah. snub. Yeah. Out of all three First, of like, 40 comments, like, on the NHL's yeah. post was, where's Mike Sullivan? Where's Mike Sullivan? <laughs> he really should have been at least a nominee. And Look, out of this list, I think Evanson should win. Probably uh, that would make the most sense to me. I think Quenville, Brindamore, like they're both great coaches, obviously. Yeah. I think that maybe you could replace Quinville with Sully. I think Sully deserves it. We had a lot of man games I, lost. So I, I think if you're replacing someone on this list, I would leave Brindamore on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I think Evan, I think that's Evanson's to lose. I think Minnesota, he did a great job. Yeah. Him. I think yeah. he deserves it. I do yep. too. Yeah. Um, the CN Tower, which is in Toronto, if you don't know that, was lit up with Habs colors following the Habs sweep of the Winnipeg Jets and thus being the only Canadian team left in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And Leafs Nation lost <laughs> its mind. So let's so I was like, okay, at first my reaction was like, what's the you know big fucking deal here? But then I sort of put it into perspective. This yeah. would like, you know how they light up the Empire State Building in like different colors and shit. Yeah. This would be like if they lit it up in red for the Red, if the Sox. red Sox, like made it to the ALCS. Yeah, this is a big miss for me. I, I, I don't care how much you want a Canadian team to win when it's your arch rival and they came back on you and beat you in seven and are going to borderline blow up your franchise. I just can't get behind lighting up a, the, the, you know, flagship building that people think of when they see your city, the, the landmark color. of your city, like. Yeah, that that I I can understand. Well, Leaf's my Nation. thing is like, I mean, I I know it's Canada, and like hockey is constantly at the forefront of everybody's minds, and I like wish that that was true about here as well. But are we sure that it wasn't just like red and blue for like something else? I mean, those are like popular <laughs> colors, you know. Like I'm, I'm just saying. well, I think like they like tweeted about it too, and like like it okay. was like like All their right. like 
Canada's official Twitter page the other day called the Habs like, Canada's on. team. Oh, yeah. man. All right. That's um, be a civil war. Which, <laughs> not, like, I'm, I'm not Canadian, obviously, so I don't understand this whole Canada's team thing, but I'm like, don't all the fan bases up there hate each other anyways? How can they you, do. like, yeah, how can you get them to pull for? They hate each other and they right. stereotype the shit out of each other. It's, right. it's, it's brutal. So and it's like out of like between the Habs and Leafs, it's like everyone hates them. So, yeah, those are the two most hated teams. Right. Up north. It does make me wonder if there's any like just Canadian hockey fans out there that that do feel strongly enough about a Canadian team winning in general that they're willing to put aside that bitter rivalry and actually root for the Habs. Like I gotta think there's not many people that are no that way. And if they do, something tells me they're like a bit older and they still smoke like an entire pack of cigarettes when they read like the morning paper or something. Fair enough. So. Like who really cares if a Canadian team has won it if it's not right. your you know, like sitting like it? they're like at the table, like, God damn it, it's our sport. Stop ruining it. Oh, yeah. 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 And then angrily takes a sip of Timmy's. Yep, exactly. Sounds about right. Uh, Elliot Friedman had some stuff about Jack Eichel. Surprise, surprise. Uh, he said, at the end of the day, I don't think the Sabres want to bring back Jack Eichel. They want to move on. Uh, and earlier this season, apparently the Anaheim Ducks inquired about Eichel at some point. Uh, so take that with whatever you will, but it just continues the Jack Eichel trade rumor saga. I mean, that would be like the perfect boring team for him to go to. You know? <laughs> go from one super successful hockey club to another. <laughs> like perfect. Still out of sight, out of mind. I don't have to worry about playing against this guy. Exactly. I, mean, I would love Eichel to go to the Ducks. I think the Ducks are a really cool team when they're good. Like the just, Ducks were really good for a, a long time, like from 07 to like 2015, they had a cup in there. They were in a couple Western Conference Finals. If the Blackhawks were in a wagon, they probably would have had a couple more cups in there. But first or I, second round of the playoffs every that's year. That's a cool arena when it gets jazzed up too. Like the Honda Center gets loud. I, yeah. I'm a fan of uh, I'm a fan of that. I've seen a game there once. It's actually a pretty fun atmosphere. Yeah, there was, yeah, was a lot gonna, of fans, like even kind of like heckling, like all into the game and everything, like. Nick, have you been to a Ducks game? Um, when you lived out there, I'm not sure. I know I've been to Sharks games before. Okay, um, I think that was closer for us, just because yeah. I was in San Fran and San Jose was wasn't too far away. That's the one Cali one I haven't gotten to yet is the Shark Tank, and I I want it's, to. It's so sick. I one of like totally off topic, but one of my favorite things about the Shark Tank is it's like you know how like Cap One has like four levels. You know, like yeah. the, the 100s, 200s uh, suite level and then the 400s. Theirs is just two. So it feels like oh, almost shit. like a giant like college football style oh, like stadium. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, what was it? Oh, so did are you guys aware that the Kings are reportedly like just off the table for Eichel? They're not going after him anymore. Really? Yeah. That I've, was, that, yeah, that I've heard that. But last week. I don't know. I mean, if he ended up on either of those teams, the the talent that they're about to get in the next three or four years is ridiculous. All of a sudden, the Kings are looking kind of like the Rangers of the of yeah, the opposite of the West. conference. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, they got prospects galore, and you know, everyone was saying that they were going to be still in got like... Kopitar, still got Dustin Brown, still got a lot of good yeah. players. Yeah. yeah, and like I, I don't know. I just feel like now that uh la is not going to be in on the hunt it almost guarantees it's going to be new york i mean he's right he's probably gonna go to the rangers so. probably or somewhere else in the metro but <laughs> um 
Speaking of the Metro, Carolina granted Dougie Hamilton permission to speak to other teams pending his unrestricted free agency. Uh, Elliot Friedman pointed out that this probably opens the door for a sign and trade. Uh, Hamilton could still potentially re-sign with Carolina if he checks the market out and finds out that they're giving him the best offer. But um, you know, I don't know. It just seems like this guy's destined to be on the move again. I don't know. I, I would think Carolina would want to hang on to a guy like this, but. Philly. It's yeah. Fried, it's like, Friedman's I already saying he's the, the I, top I don't hitter. know why anytime like a good puck moving defenseman comes up, I just think flyers, Rangers, someone's going to scoop him. Yeah. Philly's Philly's got to do some reconstruction on the back end, uh, especially after what we just saw this season. Uh, uh, you know, they're going to do everything they can to make some big off season splashes to be competent next season. You know, we are talking about Metro competition. I can't foresee the flyers missing the playoffs again. Like they're just too good on paper to do that. I think Carter Hart will bounce back, but uh, I would not be shocked if, you know, the Flyers are the first bidders. Remember when Shea Weber was an RFA and they threw him like $120 million or something absolutely wild like that. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, they're always, they're always bidders on the big D man. Yeah. Um, And I know, yeah, because as soon as the, Jackets said they like that or Seth Jones said he wasn't going to go back to Columbus. Like the first seven trade rumors were flyers, 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 flyers. It was just nuts. Um, some injuries to get to Casey DeSmith had surgery to repair a bilateral core muscle and the Penguins goalie is expected to need six to eight weeks to recover and center Evgeny Malkin had surgery on his right knee and will be unavailable for training camp. It's still questionable if he's going to be, ready for the start of next season. Harry, what are your thoughts? Um, hopefully this means Seattle won't take the Smith in the expansion draft and hopefully Malkin can recover quick. So, yeah. Uh, some good news, Montreal forward, Jake Evans, who has not played since sustaining a concussion on that hit by Winnipeg's Mark Shifley will accompany the Canadians to Las Vegas for their Stanley cup semifinal series against the golden Knights. So it's good to see that he's traveling with the team and is, you know, well enough to be, out and about and just, you know, want to wish him the best uh, as he continues to recover. Yeah. Hopefully he gets into this series at some point, if he's ready to, that'd be good to see him back out there and always, always good to, you know, get back out there after a big hit like that and, and not have it linger into the next season. You know what I mean? Be, be good to get that monkey off his back sooner rather than later. Yeah. I think uh, Jeff Petrie and John Merrill are also traveling with the team, but uh, I don't know what their timetable is for coming back. Um, Dallas Stars defenseman Steven Johns retired after missing basically the entirety of last season with post-concussion syndrome. The 29-year-old, who was a pending unrestricted free agent with the Stars, uh, took to Instagram to reveal his uh, plans for his career, Uh, missed more than half of the 2019-2020 campaign and all of the 2018-2019 campaign due to headaches from a concussion and then pretty much all of last year, you just feel bad for the guy that it's, you know, gotten this bad and, you know, to have to call it quits at 29 after basically missing the last three years. Yeah. I don't know if you read his post, but, um, you know, I think he's battled some, some mental health issues as a result of Definitely. the con- concussion stuff. I know that um, Mark Savard had a very similar situation when, you know, the whole Matt Cook hit happened and, um, it's good to see that Mark Savard's doing well now. He's actually got a great YouTube channel. If you're a, if you're a, if you're a stick or tape nerd about like the NHL players, he's definitely a great page to follow. I've been hooked on that. 
but yeah, John's basically, so he's rollerblading across the country mm-hmm. to try and help bring awareness, uh, you know, for mental health, uh, patients, you know, advocate for, for the need to, to bring more light to that. And I think it's a great cause, you know, good for him. I think it's something that a lot of people miss these days and, um, good for him for feeling like he has a, a, a cause or a calling to, to do something bigger than the game. You got to respect that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's recap, uh, just to wrap up the second round real quick, since we last spoke, uh, Vegas knocks out Colorado in six games, winning four straight after the abs get off to a two Oh series lead. Um, what do you guys think happened to this Colorado team? Mr. Mac Vogel, hang on, hang on. Who called this? <laughs> I was just about to say, it's almost like somebody on this show saw this one coming, but. And people yeah. thought you were nuts. I know. I remember yeah. us posting like the quote I said, and it was like, good decision, bad decision. And I remember some guy being like, yeah, right. The, the abs yeah. are way deeper. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Fuck your face, hope dude. Hope they're deeper on the golf course too. Oh, <laughs> oh. They're gonna need, yeah. need it out there more. So I like. I don't know how you could say that they're deeper. They're I think de- it's pretty yeah. equal, dude. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. It's pretty equal. But if yeah, anything, I, would... I mean, Grubauer is great, but like Flurry just can go next level. Like yeah. he really can. So. So what do you guys think happened to this like Abs team? Like last year, we saw them drop out to Dallas. And I think a lot of that could be said due to injuries. They had, you know, McKinnon was out, I think, for a little while. Landis Cog was out for a while. Grubauer was hurt for a little while. Um, what I mean, what do you think did them in this time? Listen, I think the Avalanche are close. Like, I think they're they're really close. They have to be close to, to getting a cup or at least getting to the final and, and getting a crack at it. Um, it almost feels like the Caps team the year before we won the final to me, like where it's like they, they should have been perfect. They added a big piece at the deadline. They got Dubnik for like insurance. They, they, they were making all the right moves. They had the team to go deep, but just like didn't. And something tells me they're going to make a couple more little moves. Like, I don't, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know if Nazem Kadri is the right guy to be on this Colorado Avalanche team. Like, that might be one thing that they could shed. I think there's a few areas where they could actually clean up their lineup just a little bit and actually become better um, and more fit for a deep playoff run. Like, they need they need a couple, like, more, like, grinder guys. Like Yep, yep. Uh, That's that, a great point, Mac. I was watching NHL Network like two days ago, and and uh, Brian Lawton said the exact same thing. He said, you know, Kadri's one of those guys you want on your team all the time, but he misses thirty three percent of every playoffs. So right because of fucking suspensions. So yeah, I think it's that. And he also brought up a great point on NHL Network is that the the Avalanche were so good in the regular season because they didn't get scored on. Like they had some of the lowest like uh, goals against. I think they were top five in goals against per game in the NHL. And Brian basically says it's because they have the puck the whole game. Yeah. And then when you get to the when you get to the playoffs, that's not how that works. Right. And he was saying, you know, it's it look at how the Islanders are built. It's grit. They are built to play without the puck. They don't need the puck to to score to feel comfortable to to play their game. Whereas the Avalanche completely do. And they ran up against a team who was equally or actually better than them. And you're seeing the results. So I, Mac, it's just like you said, you get, you got to build your t- bottom six maybe with a little more grit, learn how to play without the puck a little more. 
Yeah, it's almost like you kind of got to build your team from the from the fourth line upward instead yep. of the first line downward, and and I feel like the Avs are more built that second way right now. I yep. think they're they're probably not loving that. You know, you remember when they got rid of like a guy like Nikita Zadorov? Mm-hmm. Big defenseman could have really helped them. I thought Vegas completely ran them over in that yeah. last game. Yeah. You could just tell they were so much more physical and. Colorado just didn't have the juice to keep up with them. Yeah, well, I think you, you know how it is. Is when the team wins the cup, the league tries to like shift to that play style. When the Pens and when the Pens did it, it was all speed. Uh, you guys could speak for the Caps probably better than me. I would say you guys were pretty fucking fast as the Caps too. I think it was a lot more physical too, but yeah, yeah more than us. But like now with the Blues who just won. And then last year, you know, you have the Lightning. They got, you know, they bring in Pat Maroon, Coleman, like these big body guys you can hit. Like, yeah. it seems like it's going more towards the physicality route. Well, and you can name like third and fourth line players on all of those cup winning teams that had big goals and big hits or or big fight in, sure. in the run. You know, I'm yeah. thinking of guys like Brett Connolly. I'm thinking of guys like, you know, Pat Maroon, like you said, and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. So guys like Lars Eller, Stanley yeah. Cup winning goal. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one stat I thought was interesting through that series is McKinnon is now tied with Mike Bossy, 69. Nice. Uh, points nice. through their first 50 career playoff games. Uh, only Joe Sackick, Yari Curry, Mario Lemieux, and Wayne Gretzky have more. Yeah, it's not bad company. Good no, company, yeah. I will say this, watching that game, and I like I thought they panicked way too early. I thought the Avalanche panicked way too early. I thought McKinnon looked flustered. Seemed like he was gripping the stick a little too tight there. You know, it's hard to criticize a guy like that because he's so talented, but there was one or two plays where I was like, okay, you know, three on one and you go for the shot, you know, maybe try and get the cross seam pass going through or shoot low to get a rebound or something like that. You know, you're down a goal or two, you don't need to be panicking in the second period right now. Um, you know, Burakovsky sure. scoring another huge playoff goal for the abs, uh, in that game. Uh, yeah, just that, something al- I, I that, elim- that elimination game, uh, for game six felt way too similar to the Penn's Isles game yep. six elimination game yeah. because the avalanche get on the board first with a great pass from McKinnon to, I can't remember. I think it was Devon Taves. I it was wrong. And, uh, you know, shelves it one nothing. First minute of the game, they get the road start that they need. And they just couldn't get the saves. They couldn't yep. get the timely saves to hold a minute. And that's exactly what happened to Pittsburgh when they played New York. So. One of the um, the broadcasts, like Eddie Olchick was just ripping Sam Gerrard. I don't know if you guys yeah. remember yeah. that or watch that. And I think he, he was like directly involved in like two or three of the yeah. night's goals. It was either a turnover or a bad pass or something. So. Um, of course, now there's trade rumors about him. But, oh, yeah. You know. That's how the world we live in. So. Yeah. Like the Grizzly thing in yep. uh, the Boston game, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, Matthias Yanmark has been incredible for the Knights. I would think you have to say this is the steal of the deadline. Him and Paul Mary are, are in a race for who's going to be the best steal of the deadline. So, yeah. Well, am I correct that this one didn't pan out great immediately? Like it kind of took right. a- break in and now it's now it's same with paul mary right now <laughs> yeah. they're wreaking the benefits of it but i mean that yeah. now's what it matters most so i mean like you said that is a pretty nice, pretty nice paul, yeah steal. 
Palmieri had two goals through the whole regular season with when he was with the Isles, and now he's leading the team in goals. So for the playoffs, so it's like you know how do you pre- how do you predict that? Like you just don't. Uh, yeah, great trade. So yeah. should we move on to our Zach Jones interview? Yep, absolutely. All right, sounds good. But before we do, we want to let you know that this interview with New York Rangers defenseman Zach Jones is brought to you by Brackish Life. Let's take a minute to talk about Brackish Life. If you're like us and grew up on the water and outdoors, then Brackish Life is perfect for you. They have a wide selection of gear from UV shirts to hoodies and hats. It's Real Bay apparel made by Real Bay people. Head to www.brackish.life today to check them out. A little salty, a little fresh, Brackish Life. Brackish Life has also teamed up with Rink to Reef Chesapeake Bay to preserve the area many of us call home. Rink to Reef repurposes broken hockey sticks into oyster restoration habitats. Brackish Life donates a portion of their proceeds to Rink to Reef to further preserve the beautiful Chesapeake Bay area. Support this great cause by checking out www.brackish.life today. We are going to toss it off to Zach Jones right now. All right, everyone. Well, this is a big one for us. Our next guest is not only a 2021 NCAA champion, he also finished his year by signing his entry-level deal with the New York Rangers, appearing in 10 games for them at the end of the season, recorded his first NHL point, and if that wasn't enough, decided to go over to Latvia to represent Team USA at the World Championships. It is my pleasure to welcome Zach Jones to the Empty Betters podcast. Zach, thank you so much for joining us, man. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So uh, like we do with all our guests, why don't you just tell us a little bit about uh, where you came from, where you grew up, and how you got into hockey in the first place? Yeah, so I'm uh, from Richmond, Virginia. It's not a very big hockey market at all. Uh, There was an ECHL team back when I was born, and my dad was the equipment manager for the team. So I just grew up always around the rink, always with my dad and stuff. So that just kind of made me fall in love with the game right away. And, you know, luckily I uh, had a few dads that, liked hockey enough and decided to invest in their kids. And we had some pretty good teams growing up. So from Richmond, Virginia. I have a question on that. And I could be really, if I'm completely wrong, tell me, is it, did you play your youth hockey with the Richmond? Is it Royals or Raiders or is it neither? Royals. Royals. Oh, you yeah. play with the Royals? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Cause so you're not too far from where we are. We're based out of Baltimore um, okay. and we so we played like, you know, our travel teams would go up to Richmond a couple times a year. So I have a, a brief like understanding of where you kind of grew up in the rink and all that. So that's pretty cool. Honestly, the DMV DMV area gets some love. Yeah, we definitely played some, we played like Richmond. I think we even played like Ashburn and a couple of those other Virginia yeah, yeah. teams growing up. Played all of them growing up, probably until I was about 10 or 12 years old. I played against those teams. The, uh, what's the team out in Maryland? The Bowie Bowie Bruins. Yeah. yeah. We were on the ball. Well, I was on the Baltimore stars, but we played Bowie sometimes as well. Kind of all the same, like same universe, I guess, but. Small world, small uh, hockey world in Virginia in the DMV area. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. So does that mean you grew up a Caps fan? No. Oh, I was a Senators fan. (laughs) Okay. What were you? I'm sorry. Senators fan. Oh, okay. Interesting. How did that happen? Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> so my dad knew the equipment manager for the Senators, and uh, when probably in 06 or 07, whenever they made it to the Cup, uh, we went up to game three in Ottawa, got to go down and meet a bunch of players and stuff, and uh, Danny Heatley used to be my favorite player. <laughs> so he um, just made me fall in love with Ottawa, and then Eric Carlson joined, and I love watching him play, so just kept 
going from there until I got drafted. That's awesome. That's so cool. I can't imagine what it must have been like to be, you know, to be able to meet those guys after a, a game in the Stanley Cup final. That must have there's, been nuts. There's a lot of good players on that that Senators team too, and yeah. even through through the last couple of years after that, um, leading up to the year where they were in the uh, conference final against the Penguins. That was a yeah. hell of a team they had then too. No, they had some good teams, and my uh, college coach was the assistant coach for that Ottawa team that I met way back when. So it was wow. Just- it all comes full circle. That's pretty cool. Didn't know him back then, but <laughs> that out. That out later. <laughs> he just got the early, you know, scouting book on you back then. That's what exactly. he was looking at. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> so uh, what was the youth hockey scene like in your area? You know, you mentioned that, you know, you ha- you're fortunate that you had a couple dads and you guys were able to put some good teams together. Uh, you know, it's always interesting for us hearing about people that grew up in similar hockey markets that we did, where it might not have been the biggest sport in the world. And you either had to fight for ice time or, you know, struggle to put a team together. What was it like for you? Yeah. So, I mean, it was obviously tough. It's really tough to get ice. When there's only two rinks there, but uh, when I was probably 12, I want to say a couple of dads, like two, a few from Northern Virginia. And then my dad from Richmond, uh, we put a team together. It was mostly made up of probably four guys from Richmond, the rest from Northern Virginia, Maryland, uh, Pennsylvania, North Carolina. We just created a triple A team and we never, we probably played one time in Richmond over my four years of playing triple A, but we were going everywhere, going to Boston, Toronto, Chicago, Detroit, playing all these top triple uh, A teams. So it was a, uh, we had a good team back then. We had really good teams. I'm sure that was great exposure for you guys too, to get out into those markets and play against those teams that are proud, I would assume pretty well established. No, it was awesome. Yeah, we were playing against the top-notch guys every every weekend. It seemed like, and if we weren't practicing or playing games on the weekend, we were practicing on the weekends because we could never have a time to get ice during the week for all of us to be there at the same time. So it was definitely tough, but worked out. Yeah. So I have a question for you because growing up, um, I think Ashburn was always the most like dominant program in the area. I think they were actually ranked like top 10 in the country or something when, when I was like a Bantam. Was it like was Ashburn that... Extreme or something like yeah, that? Yeah. yeah. And they had like the X as like their logo. Did, did yeah. you have this similar experience? Cause I, I can't believe I'm actually saying this, but you're four years younger than me, which is kind of crazy. So <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, our team in Richmond, we were probably, so the first year we were probably top 50. I don't know if we were very good, but probably my last three years, we were top 10. We ended up making it to number one in the country in AAA for a little bit. We were always, we always teams. That, like all the guys, like we had four guys from Richmond, the rest were from all over, like the best kids from North Carolina, the best kids from Maryland. Like we had, we had good teams that just all converged into one really good team. Yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, you know, you move on, you know, up through the ranks and, you know, when it's time to get serious, you, you end up going to the USA, USHL to play for Tri-City. What was that experience like, you know, having to make that step from, you know, playing hockey growing up? It was awesome. I mean, I went to South Kent first when I left, uh, left home at 14, went to South Kent and I wasn't drafted my first two years in the USHL. So obviously it's a little extra motivation. And then my third year I got drafted pretty high. So I, uh, Got fortunate enough to be put into a great situation in Tri-City. I hopped right in, played with great players and a great coaching staff. And, you know, I was just fortunate with the situation I got put in. I got to play a ton of minutes right away. And that just helped my confidence grow throughout the entire year. And South Kent, is that, that's Connecticut, right? Yes. Yep. And then Tri-City over to Nebraska, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. 
So, so what kind of, uh, you know, differences did you see in the game from kind of branching out from that DMV area and, and going up North and then eventually going out kind of Midwest area? And, and, and did you see a large, large difference in, in kind of the speed of the game or, or was it pretty comparable? Yeah. I mean, going from South Kent to USHL was probably the hardest, hardest jump I made just because like playing AAA hockey, you have your set of guys that are like 10 guys, a team that are probably really good guys. And then you get to the USHL and everybody's good. And that was definitely a change for me. And, you know, once I got used to the speed and the physicality of the USHL, it definitely got easier for me, but I'd say making the jump from the DMV to uh, South Kent was a fairly easy one. Wasn't too tough just because I was playing with, really good players all the time in Richmond. I think your USHL transition, you know, it seemed like it was pretty smooth because you ended up winning rookie of the year and you had 52 points in 56 games. So not too shabby there. It worked out. have to be humble. (laughs) (laughs) No, it worked out pretty good. I had a good D partner that uh, knew how to put the puck in the net. That's for sure. That's good. So what was that uh, experience like? I I don't think we've had anyone who's played in the USHL, um, on recently so what was that league like to play in it was awesome it was a great league when I got in there it was probably I mean over the last couple years I feel like it's fallen off a little bit but the year I was there was awesome the physicality the speed there were so many good players in the league tons of draft picks tons of guys that everybody was committed to a D1 college so it was awesome it was just a great great league to be a part of I was playing with great players all the time it was it was awesome it's got to be so cool to just like on any given shift that you're on the ice, there's at least a handful of guys that, you know, at least they believe in themselves. They're making it all the way to the top, you know, and and, and that, that level of competition has got to be just a lot of fun. It was awesome. Yeah. Everybody there. I mean, every player believes that they can make it to the NHL and be a professional player. So everybody's working just as hard as the guy next to him. So it's definitely a competitive environment, but it's awesome to be a part of. I want to ask you about your uh, your world junior experience. So you finished sixth with Team USA in 2020. Uh, just any good stories about that? You know, when did you find out that you were going to be on the team? Were there any buddies that you got to play with over there? And just talk about your experience. Yeah, that experience was something else. That was awesome. Just an eye-opening experience for sure. I mean, I didn't really find – I went to the summer showcase and had a pretty good uh, bid there. And, you know, I just thought maybe there was a chance I'd make it if I had a good first half of the year. And, I started off pretty hot and thought, you know what, I might have a chance. And I went into camp. I got invited to the December camp and went in there just thinking, you know, I'm going to try to make this team. I'm not going to let anybody shut me down. And I got fortunate enough to make it and play with some really good players there. And it was awesome. Playing with first-round picks, playing against the best players in the world at your age group, it was it was something special. I mean, every game, we played Canada the first game, and in warm-ups, the whole place was sold out. It was unbelievable. That's so sick. Like, there was – 10,000 Canadian fans there, which sucked, but it was, it was so awesome to be a part of. That was, uh, that was the year it was held in Czech Republic, right? Yep. What was like that like to, and what city were you guys in? Did you get like, have time to like explore and stuff like that at all? We didn't really like, we were in, uh, where were we? We were in, um, what's the city called there? Um, I can give you Prague and I swear that's the only one I know. (laughs) I was going to say, um, I don't know where the place called, but it wasn't, it wasn't the nicest. We didn't get to really go out that okay. much. The games were awesome though. Like we played against the Czechs, the home team there. And that place was like, they scored to make it three, three at one point. And I swear the building felt like it was going to collapse. Everybody was jumping. Wow. It was unbelievable. That the European fans, um, 
pretty upset we didn't get to experience at the World Championships because they are nuts. They're yeah. so much fun to play in front of. Yeah, for sure. Uh, were you the only DMV area guy on the team there? I was, yeah. Did you find that's a – have you found that's a common theme, like, as you've gotten to play more and more competitive? Yeah, no, for sure. There's nobody you see from Virginia, Maryland. I mean, I got a couple buddies that still play at a pretty high level, which is awesome to see them play and see the Virginia – or the DMV area get some uh, success in the high, higher level. So it's uh, it's definitely definitely growing in Richmond, for sure, and in the DMV area. But they're still not a lot of very good players. Yeah, so it's, uh, growing up – go ahead. I'll just say it's been cool to be the only guy really from the DMV area to make it this far and stuff. So, right. Yeah. Growing up, they always used to tell us there's only one Maryland guy to ever make it. And he was also from Potomac. So it's like barely, Jeff even, Halpern. barely <laughs> even Maryland. And then I read a stat earlier. I don't know if you knew the exact number, but it uh, turns out you're the, I believe, the only the sixth player from uh, Richmond um to or sorry uh, six from virginia to play in the nhl and the first from richmond to be drafted and to play in the nhl i knew the richmond stat i didn't know the virginia stat it's pretty uh pretty cool to be in that company yep it's still pretty cool who's the, the kid in the caps farm system uh joe snively isn't he from virginia yep yes. yeah he went to south Camp too i think for a year or two oh, okay so yeah yep i didn't i didn't meet him ever but i just knew the you know, right. everybody knows everyone. Exactly. Yeah. So. <laughs> so what was your, uh, what was your draft experience? Like, were you there in person for it? You know, how did that all go down? Yeah. So I was originally planning on not going. So, I mean, you obviously never know if you're going to get drafted or not, but I talked to a couple of buddies that went to the draft and didn't get drafted. And they told me a hundred percent, I should have went either. Like I should go. So that just kind of, that changed my mind. And it was an awesome, awesome experience. I'm so glad I went. I mean, get to experience that with my family there and my tri-city teammates and coaches and staff and everything. It was awesome. Did you have like a, like sort of like space in your mind? Like, I think I should be going here. Like, this is like, I'm starting to get nervous and not call my name, anything like that at all. Nothing really. I mean, I was told any from two to seven probably, or from one to seven, I couldn't pick. So like, I just didn't even, I wasn't too worried either way. Like I, Figured in the back of my mind when I got to Vancouver that, you know, I was going to get drafted. I just didn't really know where or when. So I had a few teams in mind that might pick me that I thought seemed the most interested, but the Rangers were not one of them. This Interesting. Which ones were the ones that were most interested? I thought maybe like Arizona or Tampa or Florida might have picked me, but I talked to the Rangers once and they were the first team I talked to and didn't talk to word to them after that. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty surprising to hear them call my name. Do you have any, uh, like, GM interview stories that kind of, like, maybe are quirky or caught you off guard? Because I feel like there's always – everybody always has, like, one weird thing where it's, you know, they're like, I was not expecting to get asked this question. Did you ever have any experience like that? Nothing really. I mean, nothing really that blew me away, I'd say. Like, I go to the combine or anything, so I didn't have any of those, like, GM conferences like that, which is a – the most nerve-wracking ones, I'd say. I just talked to mostly scouts and stuff, and nothing really too crazy or anything, just simple questions, normal questions you get asked. How's your family? What type of kid are you? Stuff like that. Nothing, nothing yeah. too crazy. I've, no, I've had, heard some stories, though, some guys that... Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure if you got uh, you got picked on for that or not, but um, no, it's good to hear that your, your interview process wasn't too uh, hectic. No, not at all. It was stress-free for the most part. 
So did um, you said it was in Vancouver. So did your whole family go up to Vancouver and, you know, do yeah. the draft with you? That's awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. I mean, I had to leave the day after the draft, which obviously would have been nice to see Vancouver a little bit, but it was great. I got there a couple of days early. I got to see a few things with my family. So it was definitely an awesome, awesome experience. That's awesome. Uh, you, what was the transition like to college for you? You know, how did you decide on UMass and how was your recruiting process? So I was only recruited by four teams, really. I mean, like Providence offered me a two for four, and then it came down. I toured RPI, Union, and UMass when I was probably it was going into my junior year of uh, high school. And UMass and Union are my top two schools. Like it was, I was really close to going to Union, but UMass just blew me away. The coaching staff there, the campus, everything there just blew me away. And that was definitely my number one choice right after I left that campus. So they took you on a tour, gave you the Zoomass experience, and you were like, yes, this is the right place for me. I didn't think actually, like, the Zoomass of old is definitely not what it is now. That's yep. It used to be a lot more hectic. I I want to say Coach Carvel definitely turned the entire campus around when he got there. What do you call it? New Mass? Yep. Yeah, no I like that. All New Mass. But it was, yeah, they were great there. It was awesome. Well, it seems like you had a pretty good transition because your first year you were a hockey East all rookie team. I think we're seeing a common theme here. Uh, <laughs> and then your second year, I'm not going to list how many all teams you made because I can't read that much. But uh, what a hell of a season that you guys just came off of national champions. You know, I was in the I think we were talking about it because um, uh, we, we were watching you and I was on vacation while that game was on and I felt I fell asleep in the second period because you know that's just how it works. And I woke up and it was five nothing. I was like, in the championship. So, what you want to talk about your guys' run and how that all went down? Yeah, we had an awesome, awesome team this year. Like we had a couple of guys that came in new transfers. We had a great group of freshmen that contributed right away, and it was just an awesome year for us. I mean, we got COVID one time throughout the whole year, and it was right before the national semifinal game. So, we had we were really fortunate with that. We didn't have to get shut down, but one time this will shut everybody down but it was just so smooth for us our coaches were running games to play if another team got COVID and we got canceled they'd be on it we'd be playing that same weekend still and it was just a great group we started off kind of rough didn't do too hot but then I think it was after our Providence weekend we didn't lose a game for however many games we just caught fire and ran with it the, the way you guys played in that Frozen Four tournament, and I think specifically, you know, the championship speaks for itself, but the way that you guys battled through that semifinal, I think is awesome. It's one of the best hockey games I've watched in a long time. And I think it was more special for you guys because that was the team that had denied you guys a championship the year prior, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. The, uh, so the year before I got there, they lost national championship to Duluth. So we had probably our team from – that, that return from that team. So it was definitely sweet to win for those guys to get some revenge on the blue. Yeah. And then you guys just roll right into the national championship and just, you know, basically yeah. roll right over St. Cloud State. So that was, uh, that was a crazy end of being part of. We just, it definitely wasn't a five nothing game. Our goalie was right. Sick. He was second this year. He just was so good for us. And he made some key saves at key times and we just, put the puck in the net whenever we got a great day chance. And it definitely was more of like a two nothing game, but that score just shows, I mean, we were dominant that game. We just didn't let them get much. Well, and do you think maybe you talk about that, that awesome goaltending performance that you got from him? I feel like in my experience playing, 
a lot of times when your goalie's playing well, it just kind of feeds into the rest of the team. And so I'm curious if, if you feel like that was a big, big moment for you guys and him kind of getting that shutout and just you guys scoring five goals. Yeah, we had no doubt in mind that he was like, so he was one of the guys that missed the semifinal game because his roommate got COVID. So he was that's right out for that game. And as soon as we won that game, I knew we were going back to him because he was just, he hadn't won, a, he had lost a game all year, I don't think. He might have lost one in regulation, but he was just – gives you so much confidence just knowing you have a guy back there that's so calm. And our other goalie, too, was just the same way. We had two starting goalies this year. Just one guy took over the role better in the, in the long run. And uh, when Murray came in for that semifinal game, he was awesome, too. He – it could have been a blowout that game. But he stood on his head for us and made some key saves. And it's so so easy for a defenseman knowing you got two goalies back there can stop the puck, double play the puck whenever you just – makes the game a lot easier for yourself. Well, yeah, it's really cool that you guys were able to call on the backup goalie and he didn't miss a beat with that. Um, no, not at all. He was he hadn't played since probably January or December, and he was lights out. Wow. Right. Yeah, I remember hearing, too, like during that game or right before it started, I remember, like, the announcer saying, like, all that about your starting goalie not being able to play. And I just, like, that just gave me the most, like, gut-wrenching feeling. I just can't imagine being – in such an exciting game, such a big moment in your hockey career. And because of this, you know, stupid pandemic, you're, you're, you're unable to play basically when I'm sure, you know, he felt fine, felt ready to go or whatever it was. And I know obviously the rules, are the rules, but that's just such a tough situation to be in, but it, it luckily it's a good end to the story that he gets to come back in for the championship and, and kind of taste his, his victory as well. It added a little extra motivation for us too, for those guys that weren't playing in that semifinal game push for that last game for them because they all three of those guys that missed the semifinal game drove up that next or that same night I think and got there for our championship game and it was it was just really cool to experience that with them I think I heard that like wasn't like your athletic trainer the backup for the semifinal game too <laughs> yeah, so our senior equipment manager he was our so he played in high school and stuff played in mass like he skates with one of the guys that played at UMass, John Leonard. He's like best friends with him, so he skates with him this summer. So he's a he was a decent goalie. If he got called on, I would have been uh, I would have been too worried back there. That's good. He skates with, he skated with us sometimes, so yeah, he was he was a good goalie to have as a backup. That's for sure. Good. Uh, so after you know you had, I feel like you had like forty eight hours to celebrate your national championship, and then it's it's time to go to the big so what was that jump like what was it like when you signed the contract and what was your first game like it was awesome yeah like the day the night of the national championship game my, my agent told me that they wanted to sign me and stuff so obviously I enjoyed that night the next day I got to enjoy that day too and then uh, the next day was Monday I signed that morning and drove up there that next that night and uh, it was awesome it was a great great experience for me to get up there and get to be around pro level players for a month or however it was, see their habits, see how they handle themselves on and off the ice and stuff. So that was the biggest thing for me. I was planning on going back to college for the entire year and then win a national championship, win a hockey East championship. That really, that helps. Yeah. It helps. You out yeah. A little. yeah. I wouldn't be but, going back to school either, but I, <laughs> I promise. <laughs> that really, uh, you know, that pushed me forward and uh, it was a great experience getting to be in that first game. I've seen nerves probably up until my first shift, but then, uh, once you get out there, it's just hockey. You've been playing it your whole life. You, uh, it was pretty calm after that, after that first shift. So was that your first time playing at MSG or being at MSG in general? Yep. So I got to see MSG in my draft year. We went for development camp. We just got to see mm -hmm. what it was like. 
stuff. No ice in there, obviously, but that first time playing in there and getting to experience that, it was even with how many fans that had 2,500, it was it was awesome. So I have to ask because it's it's I feel like it's widely known that the Rangers probably have the best warm up atmosphere. Obviously, like you said, only 2,500 fans, but still, just kind of like the aura of MSG. The warm up playlist is awesome. You know, there's maybe a couple other places that could, could compare, but how jacked up were, were you? Did they give you the rookie lap? I, I should know that, but. Got the rookie lap and that was, that was so cool to skate out there for the first time and see that. Having that jersey on, it was just, it was pretty crazy for me for sure. Well, and you talked about earlier when we were talking about the draft, you know, you thought maybe Arizona or Tampa Bay and, you know, obviously any NHL team is like so sick to be drafted in, in, yeah. in the first place, but you know, there's so much history behind the New York Rangers organization. It's just got to be a cool thing to to rock the the blue and red, knowing you know all the greats that have that have worn that uniform in the past too. Yeah, no, it was super special to get drafted by the Rangers and stuff, and get to throw on that jersey for the first time. It was it was really special. My dad worked for the Rangers farm team like way back when, so it was pretty worked out full circle. My dad's from New York. My uncle's the best Rangers fan I know. Like it was. It was super cool that whole this whole experience has been so far. What was the uh, what was it like inside the locker room when you got there? You know, were the guys super you know welcoming? Did you kind of like keep your distance, or was it just you know kind of like a starstruck moment for you? I'd say the first couple of days were definitely starstruck moments, seeing like Panarin in the locker room and stuff like that, just seeing these big name guys. But everybody was super welcoming to me, super like happy to have me there and stuff. So it was awesome. Everybody was talking to me right away. I made. A ton of friends right off the get-go so it was it was great to get to know the guys for the month that i was there and get to play with them for that little while you so i have to ask just because the and i don't want to pump your tires too much but the the trend you know third round pick one of your teammates who is also up for a norris candidate also a third round pick great college careers come up you know some great skaters smooth skating defenseman head up move the puck what was it like playing with adam fox are you guys like Friends, I would imagine, you know, similar in age, similar play styles. Yeah, Foxy's a great guy. Great. He's a sick defenseman. Yeah, I love yeah. watching him bench. Like, it's, it's – he just makes the game so easy on himself. And it's just – it looks like he's not even trying out there, but he's just making guys look silly left and right. And he's just – it's so cool to pick up on little things that he's doing during the game, during practice, stuff like that. But he's been great for me just getting to give me a little tip, stuff like that, just watching him play. It's been, it's been awesome. Awesome. Won me my fantasy championship, so thank him. Thank him <laughs> next case, time you see him for me. In case you were wondering, right? <laughs> I'll say thanks for <laughs> yeah. What's the uh, what's the dynamic in the locker room? You know, who's like who's the goofball? Who's the DJ? DJ, I think was Fox this year for the games. Okay. I mean, during practice and stuff, the radio was on for the most part. But definitely clown. I'd say Stromer talks a lot. He's a funny dude too. He talks, says some funny stuff, but. From the short time I was there, definitely those two guys were most noticeable. I'm shocked that Mika wasn't on the DJ. You know, he's you know he's like an EDM artist, right? That's I've heard that. I had no idea that until probably yeah. when I was there, and I somebody said something else. No, he's very good too. So I'm a little surprised by that. He probably uh, does most of the games. I just I don't know. I didn't see enough. I got gotcha. you. No, I, no worries. A lot of the Canadian American players don't don't like to put up with the Euro EDM <laughs> stuff too, so it could could have something to do with that. I know I know some locker rooms that have had that issue in the past, but that's no, that hundred percent, hundred percent. 
So I, I have to ask, just because probably the, one of the biggest storylines of the season was the the last couple games you guys had with the Caps. I won't get into the, the whole incident, but what, that second game, I mean, that probably drew, you know, I would say more eyes to a hockey game than any other game this season. Did you, What was the vibe going into the game or whatever you're allowed to, to tell us? I mean, what, what was the sense going into that second game and the whole Wilson saga? Well, let's put it this way. I knew something was going to happen for sure. I knew like I, I started the game and that was the first thing they told me was change as soon as the puck gets dropped. So I kind of figured okay. something was going to happen, but I knew somebody was going to go after Tom Wilson, try to fight him. Cause that, I mean, JD yeah. and uh, Gorton just got fired the day before or something. So everybody kind of had a little chip on their shoulder, wanted to prove that, you know, we're not going to get pushed over. Like the league says we are getting pushed over right now. So I mean, I, it was a crazy game. It was awesome to be a part of it. Just, you know, all those fights all in the first 10 minutes it was. It was crazy. It was it was really cool to be a part of it, though. It's like watching Slapshot. I mean, it was it was nuts. <laughs> My first two shifts were probably combined eight seconds. Cause... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Like, oh, That's God. funny. Probably for the best, though, honestly. Better to watch it from the bench than, than be taking some of those punches to the face. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, I started the ice, and Chara was across the ice. I was – Pretty scared there for a second. Thought he was gonna come after me, but how so, big does he look in person? Because I've been like front row at a preseason <laughs> game with him, and he's like two feet below me, but still taller than me. I'm like ten, I'm five ten, I think, and on skates I'm probably six foot. And standing up next to him, at like his stump, it seems like <laughs> like straight up in the air, looking up at him, it's crazy. Oh my god, <laughs> that's crazy. Mac, did you have a question? No, I mean I was just oh. gonna say. It's, I didn't even think about it, but that is pretty sweet just to be on the ice at the same time as a guy like Chara, you know, yeah. and who knows if he's going to play next year too. So kind of yeah. cool, cool that you got in there at, at the end of his career as well. Yeah, no, it was super cool to see. I mean, I've grown up watching Zidane Chara since I was probably started watching hockey. So it was super, super cool to be out in the ice with him. Uh, what, uh, what's it like, you know, with the, the Rangers have such this, you know, deep group of young talented players what's it like to be around them i mean there's i mean how many players in that locker room are under 25 everybody it seems like it's <laughs> awesome. like, it's it's so cool to come into a team where everybody's pretty much around the same age as me and it's easy to talk to these guys I mean, you're not going into a room full of 35 and and up older men like it's a younger group of guys it made it definitely the transition a lot easier with it mostly younger guys but you had the few older guys that were the veterans on the team and they were helping you out so it was a great group to come into for sure that's got to be nice for like you know guys to go grab lunch with and you know because i know like you know older guys are great but they gotta you know they have lives and kids and you know yeah, stuff they have families and a lot of these guys aren't living with their girlfriends or wives yet so it was it was cool to be a part of that group yeah for sure um, I got to ask about Panarin. What's, what's he like? I feel like he's just got this like giant ball of energy surrounding him. Uh, you know, the, from the, from the hair, the sellies, like he just seems like kind of a, a really energetic guy. What was your first impression of him? He's pretty quiet in the locker room. Like he taught, like you can definitely tell he's got a lot of energy for sure, but he's pretty quiet guy. I mean, all the, the Russian guys mostly keep to themselves, talk to each other in Russian. I mean, I don't understand what they're saying, obviously, but they're, <laughs> they're chatting each other and, uh, He's set. He's one of the best. Like he can play a two minute shift and be fine to go out there 30 seconds later. He's it's ridiculous the type of shift he can have. He's the best tired player I've ever seen. Like John Torrella said it best. Like 
he can take go up and down the ice, up and down, up and down, and still get the puck on the ozone and make a play and create a, a great A chance. Yeah, he's a really fun player to watch. I'm I'm also kind of curious about like, you know, having to make a lot and, and obviously you're no stranger to making changes, being being on lots of different teams throughout your career, but um, what's it like, you know, going from a college team and then suddenly you're you're in the NHL and you have to adapt whatever coaching style that they kind of play with and like whatever systems they have. Like it was that was the actual X and X's and O's part of it ever kind of challenging or did you feel like there was a, you know, like a, a lag period for you to kind of get that down or does it just come kind of second nature for you? So I got like the first week I was there, I didn't play a game. I was just practicing and stuff, skate with the team. So I got to learn the systems over that course of that time and really the day before the game they showed me most of like the x's and o's so it was pretty mostly everything i've played before in my life so it was pretty easy transition i think the nhl games are a lot easier than the college and junior level games just because about crisp and how how much more in position everybody is like it's just it's crazy you can pop a puck anywhere and you know you're gonna have a teammate right there because it's just the nhl everybody's everything's crisper and it's just it's just an easier game i think it's a hell of a quote if you take it out of context. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I do have to ask, because we were, I, I hate to say the word lucky, but we're kind of lucky enough to get you legitimately 45 minutes after this was announced. You guys just got a new coach. Are you aware of that, or are we just informing you of that? Uh, well, I think I, I Gallant. Yeah. yeah. I had a feeling, like a rumor, but I didn't know it was official. No, that's yeah. That's awful. Yeah. Well, you have a new coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, congrats. Thank <laughs> you. Hey, that's, that's cool to hear. No, that's yeah. awesome. He's, I've heard only good things about him. So I feel like he's one of those coaches that no one has ever said a bad thing about. Yeah. No, not one bad thing I've ever heard about him. Yeah. No, and I was telling – I got a couple Rangers buddies who uh, are just dying to listen to this, and they, they were saying, like, you know, what – couldn't have been a better hire. I know there was some Tockett rumors – I'm a big talking guy too, but I think a lot's perfect for you guys. You got a young core. You're you're just getting into that contending phase, and he's had some experience with that, especially when he was with Vegas. So, no, it's I'm excited to meet him, get to work, get to work with him at training camp. It'll be fun. Uh, he's I've only heard heard good things about him, so it's gonna be should be a fun one. Sure. Do you guys have a date yet for like when you're supposed to be like back, like in New York and like ready to roll or not really yeah, sure exactly? September, late September sometime is training camp. I'm not sure the exact date, but I'm sure. assuming sometime around there. So you'll get at least a little bit of a summer, a little bit of time to relax finally, right? Well-deserved exactly. too. <laughs> no, yeah. I'll get a little bit of time to let loose and lay, lay low for a little bit. So you're heading up to uh, up north to, to train right in the next couple of weeks here is there is there a reason you train up in up in Michigan or do you have like buddies that you like hang out with do you have a trainer up there so last summer because of quarantine and everything like there was no ice in Richmond at all and usually my summers I so I tried up until I went to school I was just staying at home in Richmond working out skating there and stuff and then when I got to school went up there my freshman summer because that's what we had to do and stuff so I was I was planning on doing that again this fall or this last summer, but uh, that wasn't happening because of quarantine and everything. So I would just went up to Michigan and my agents from up there and stuff. So he got me hooked with a couple connections up there and it's just, it's better up there. Like everything's better players, better facilities, better workouts, stuff like that. It's all, I work out with the guys at NTDP. So they're awesome. They know everything about your body and everything about a hockey body. So it's, it's just better for development, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, that, that just runs 
up until training camp, basically. So you're going to be three months of just grinding. Pretty much. Yeah. I'll come home. I'll obviously the weekends I can relax up there, but mostly for two to three months, I'll be going pretty hard here. As far as, you know, outside of, you know, talk about relaxing and everything. Do you, are you a golfer? Do you like fishing? Do you have any, any other hobbies outside of hockey that you like to do just to kind of get your mind clear? Yeah. I love golf. I'm not very good, but I love golf. I, uh, Same. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's a lot of hockey players. They love it, but they're not the best. But uh, I go, I love to go to the beach. Love to be on the water. That's one of my favorite things to do is go on a boat or just go to the beach. Just relax. Just what, uh, what was your beach growing up? Were you guys Virginia beach? Yep. Or okay. I go to Myrtle Beach a lot too. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So I go to Virginia Beach probably every weekend when I'm home, just because my buddies have houses down here and stuff. And it's nice to get away from Richmond, just relax for a little bit. That's yeah. a fun beach town too. There's a lot of cool stuff to do around there besides just the water. Exactly. No, it's a great spot down at Virginia Beach. The next summer when you turn 21, come up to Ocean City. We'll take you to Secrets. I like that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can get that one off your bucket list after you're living yeah. in your uh, nice apartment in New York. <laughs> right. Downgrade to ocean shitty real quick. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, ha- oh, are you like looking for a spot? I mean, how's this whole thing work? Are you going to live with someone? Yeah, I'll probably live with a teammate again. Like, So I lived with uh, Vitaly Kravstov for the last month I was there. So that was awesome to live with somebody and have a roommate. But I'm assuming the same thing next year. We'll see, I mean, where I end up and if I'm in New York or Hartford or so. We'll see what goes on from there. Cool. Gotcha. What uh what was your world championship experience? Like you got to go over to Latvia, you guys took home a bronze medal. That's awesome. So do you want to talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, no, that experience was awesome. That was so much fun. I mean, to be around a group of guys like that. We weren't allowed to leave the hotel, which stunk, but we we're just going from the rink to the hotel, rink to the hotel. They were really strict over there with COVID, so it made sense, but it I'd say that was the best thing for us. We grew super tight as a group, and it was a really fun team to be around. It, we grew tremendously in three weeks we were there, and obviously not the medal you're going for, but it was great to come home with a piece of hardware. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what was the, you know, big ice like? Do you enjoy playing on the bigger ice? Do you not like it, you know, as a, as a defenseman? I figure a guy that can skate as well as you would probably enjoy that. So my two years at UMass, we had like a similar, not as big as Olympic, but it was bigger than NHL sheets. So I love okay. the big. I'm used to that for the last two or three years now. And it's, I love it. So much more room with the puck. You're not getting hit every two or three seconds when you touch it. It's that I think it's better for a smaller guy, but I don't mind the smile last year either, honestly. I think that's all, all we got. If you guys are good. I mean, we, we greatly appreciate your time and, uh, we're wishing you the best of luck this season. It's kind of funny how the connections all like come full circle. I, I mean, are you aware of like how that all happened? What do you mean? Like, like so we interviewed Nick. What was the circle? We interviewed Jerry. We, in, uh, we interviewed Jerry oh, Domingo. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then after the Jerry interview, Jim Toft emailed us. And then Jim put us in touch with your dad who put us in touch with you. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> you guys- yeah right. <laughs> Holy circle, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty wild. Oh yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, we're if uh, if if you're good, we're good. I think that's all we got for you. We're we're wishing you best of luck this coming season. And uh, like I just said, we we really do appreciate the time. Yeah, thank you so much, man. We really appreciate it. And go get it next year. You're gonna do awesome. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed this. Big thanks to Zach for talking with us. Uh, we really appreciate his time and. Um, 
just can't say enough good things about the kid. We'll 100% be rooting for him down the stretch and uh, excited to see him in a Rangers uniform next season. 100% best excited and, and terrified, but yeah. Yeah, I, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it's not exactly great that like now I like him because he's like on the Rangers and shit. Well, it's but... tough. We, we always root for all the guys that come on the show and, and we want to see him do well. And of course we do, but Hey, I'm not a Rangers fan. I don't want right. to do well. So in fact, yeah. I would consider myself the opposite of a Rangers fan, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. You yeah. think we should like make some like quote where it's like, Zach Jones says that NHL is easier than college or like USHL. Cause I Dude, thought that, that that was one of the most interesting things. I yeah. Thought he was telling us like, it was a really good point though. We were giving him shit a little bit for like the way he said it, but no, it, yeah. what he, he, he meant, you know, it, it was, it was interesting what he was saying just about how it's so like almost predictable to play it and like dump it into empty spaces and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. The, my favorite part is like I thought I was gonna go back to school and I, and I was just like, buddy, no, I wouldn't go back to school either. No, like, you just you just put a boat on the life. water. Go to the show already. Yeah, like live your life, go do your thing. Uh, it's you know, you, you can you can always go back to school. Can't yeah. go back to the NHL. That's uh, that's one of my favorite uh, hockey terms is when you win the ship, you call it putting a boat on the water. And speaking of putting a boat on the water, summer is here, and there's never been a better time to get out on the water. Are you looking to finance that new boat or yacht you've always dreamed of? Then Marty Huff, the yacht lender, is the man for you. The yacht lender is a specialist in marine finance with partnerships with 15 different banks in the area, and he has the right lender for whatever vessel you may be in the market for. Backed by Trident Funding with over 25 years as an industry leader in the yacht lending industry, the yacht lender has the expertise and know-how to finance the boat of your dreams. Don't wait. Apply today at www.yachtlender.com or check him out on Instagram at Yachtlender to see others who have already gotten out on the water. Wow. Shit, I was taking notes that whole time. I might have to... Uh, right. I'm buying a boat, guys. Guy <laughs> yeah. Sounds awesome. Yeah, I want to buy wow. a boat. Thank you, Marty, for uh, sponsoring the podcast. We really Marty Huff? It. That's a... That's an all-star name team right there. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it just screams like looks good in a suit. We'll sell you anything. Dapper. Yeah. Absolutely. I um I wonder what would be a better financial investment, me continuing to own my Jag or me to go and buy a boat? Because I think me- both are going to be underwater at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much. One of them already sank your bank account. So. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! All right, let's uh, let's just recap the the game ones that we have seen so far. We'll get some game two predictions. Uh, let's get start with the Lightning and the Islanders. I actually got to watch this whole game because it wasn't past my bedtime of nine p.m. Um, so, what did you guys think of that game? Little underwhelming. Just the most textbook Islanders yeah. game ever. Which was and why it was underwhelming. I think yeah. the bigger story is Tampa comes out flat in a conference final game one again. Yeah. Like yeah. they did this in the first two against, I know we always go back to this, but like the, the conference final, the year the Caps won the cup, it's they Tampa dropped the first two at home. Yep. It's, I don't understand it. And I don't understand how with that much firepower it takes until the final minute for Braden point to get on the scoreboard. Yeah. I, it, the, well, how many power plays did they have? Does anybody know that stat? Off the I don't know off the top of my head. I know they it had seemed them, like though. they had nearly as many as they were getting um, in the round prior. To yeah. 
Well, Olchuk was giving it to uh, the Lightning, mostly Stamkos, but that first goal was a direct result of a turnover. Yep. That uh, was a bad one where he yep. got on. He, like, yeah. was just ch- trying to change, and he, he made the – he tried to, like, turn it over twice. He failed yeah. to do it the first time, and then he did it again and actually did it, and then they scored. And then they, like, kind of benched him. Yeah. yeah. And they, he, was- he called himself out after the game. He was like, that was my fault. I need to be better. Uh, the second goal – I thought you could criticize Vasilevsky for that one. I know yeah. um, Pollock's got a hard shot, but that's yeah. he I can mean, bring he, it. But he, he uh, can bring it. But you know, if you see it all the way, literally from the blue line. Yeah, you I'll know. tell you what. I almost took a Pollock to score a goal prop before game one for like I want to say it was like upwards of plus six hundred or something wow. like that. That sounds about right. I, I wish I had. Obviously. Yeah. Damn. I, I nailed that little I didn't publish this folks. I apologize. I wasn't super confident, but I did take Braden point to score a goal at plus one thirty. That luckily hit in the last he, minute. And again with him, he had another great A chance in front of the net and just you know breakaway, just he went a couple. little little too cute, tried to go cheeky and chip it over the goalie's shoulder and just airmailed it over the net. Well, that's why I do like these. Um there's been prop bets for a lot of these Tampa superstars. I'm talking Braden Point, Stamkos, Kucherov, all of them like shots on goal are like three, maybe four for Kucherov, but definitely three for point and stamkos. Um, and you know, if they get two power plays, those guys are probably each going to get a shot or two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and like you said, they're always getting breakaway chances. You're probably going to get a shot on goal on those. I don't know. I like those bets. And they're usually like plus 100 or minus 110 or something like that. Yeah, that power shot, play shot. is just ridiculous. The amount what, of Tampa. Yeah. The way they move the pockets. Well, they, they, I think they said, I think they said before the game started, it was like, they're clicking at like 40% or something ridiculous yeah. like that. It, it is known, though, right now, um, that big four, Hedman, Point, Stamkos, Kucherov, uh, 76% of their playoff points right now have come on the power play. Wow. wow. So they haven't been getting it done five on yeah. five. And the yeah. Islanders are disciplined. Trotz isn't going to let them take stupid penalties. I mean, the Islanders are the real deal. Like, they, they are good. Yeah, I, I get really big team of destiny vibes from them. There's mm-hmm. just like, you know – it, it you say it every year there's just something about this team that will carry them yeah they don't even just, have their captain right it's crazy what they're doing right now and i do just want to say and this might be a hot take i'm, I'm probably going to catch some shit for this but i mean it when i say it matt barzell that first goal was awesome he is i would say in my opinion for whatever that's worth he's got to be number two or number three in the league of best skater with the puck on his stick yeah. in the world. Yeah. McDavid's yeah. one. I think Barzell's above McKinnon in that regard. You, with I'm the puck. Gonna, with the puck. I, yeah, but, like, I'm just saying this guy is insane coming full stride. You know how you Caps fans love the bitch about that slingshot power play breakout? Well, when you got a guy like Barzell doing it. <laughs> yeah, when it, it works, it's matter. great. When it doesn't, yeah. it's a disaster. Yeah. He's money. He's so good with the puck. I mean, he's so fast. He's so dynamic. I love what he's one of the most exciting players to watch, in my opinion. 100%. Back to the penalties thing and the power play for Tampa for a sec. Um, confirming the Islanders did not take, I mean, they, they apparently got a penalty eight seconds in, I guess, for all that stuff that, you know, was kind of right after the opening draw. Um, but so did Tampa. So basically Tampa Bay did not get their first power play until there was less than a minute left in the second period. 
Right. And they, they had that one and it kind of rolled over into the next period and they couldn't get anything going on that. And then the only other power play they got was with a minute left in the third and they scored on it. And I thought that was a horrible call. You think about the trots, you know, system, he's a, he's a defensive minded coach and he's also a discipline minded coach. And and usually he's got his team whipped into shape uh, at times like this. You want to know how to not lose a series to a team like Tampa Bay is don't give them chances. Stay out of the box. Unforced errors. Every time you take a penalty against that power play, uh, you're playing with fire. So if you only take one or two penalties a game, you're looking pretty good at limiting yeah. their chances and, and just playing your game and, and having a good chance to win every night. So, yeah. Plus it's one of the things you can control is staying out of the it box. Is. So that, that's exactly right. And like I just said earlier, 40% power play, you don't fuck with that. And it's, right. one, it's one of the things you can control unless you're uh, Bruce Cassidy and right. Uh, <laughs> In which case the, the league is controlling it for you. Yeah. Whew. All right. We got some hot takes coming in. Um, we're, a, we're a month after this and you got you guys still met it's okay I'm part probably, of the grieving process yeah um game two predictions game two tonight tuesday i don't see the bolts dropping two in a row if the bolts can you know find a way to score five on five and and figure out how to also manufacture those penalties and you know by that i mean getting under the islanders skin and force them to take penalties and or have kucherov like keep diving but well that too i don't know i uh i don't think so i think the islanders are going to win again and uh i may even bet on it (laughs) bolts are minus 210 on the money line the islanders are plus 175 that is a juicy value for the isles yeah especially the over under is at five right now not five and a half just what's the what's the over value minus 120 i don't hate that I don't hate it either, especially since last game was real tight. Yeah. Yeah. I could see this one kind of opening up a little bit. Like both teams get at least two kind of thing. Right. And there's some more power plays and some more penalties than there was last game. Yeah. Yeah. I, this is so tough. My heart says the Isles are going to do it, but my brain says Tampa can't lose two in a row, but. I, I, I think almost, I'm going to go Tampa. I think I'm going to go Tampa. I almost like this one to go to OT as well. I was just oh, about to say boy. that. Like, this has the like a 2-2 overtime game. And, and that's kind of why I like it. the yeah. Islanders, because I feel like this is one where Tampa gets it together. They they should win it on paper, and the Islanders get some stupid bounce in overtime, and Tampa's Mark. forced to scratch their heads and say, well, fuck, we lost the first two at home again. And Margarita Max overtime bar and grill, ladies and gentlemen. It's happy hour tonight. We're yep. eating. Let's go. We're eating. Um, Maybe I'll right. go get some Margs after this. Just see what you should. <laughs> Eight thirty in the morning. <laughs> I'll tweet that out for you. <laughs> no, I love Matt, that overtime. I completely agree with you, and I think if you're the Islanders, you have to win every overtime game in this series. Like, For sure, because you think back to last year when they uh, they lost to the Bolts in the conference final, and they lost in Game Six in overtime. In overtime, and I think it was double overtime, even. Yep. Um, yeah. Which plus is, you just you know, it's like any chance to, to steal a game from Tampa, you can't give that up. Exactly, and those overtime games, those are what matters. You saw it in the Caps Boston series. If, yep. if you know certain games go one way, it changes the entire series. So. I, Absolutely. I, I actually really love that overtime pick. I, I think I'm gonna have to take you up on that. Yep. Um, sure. All right. So next series, we got Vegas in Montreal. Game one just wrapped up last night. Vegas wins four to one, kind of defeating our bet of plus one and a half for Montreal. 
Cole Caulfield was the lone scorer for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, I think for the most part, from what I've seen, I watched the first period, a little bit of the second, and then some highlights. What did you guys think of the game? I, I think, in my opinion, Vegas, they, Montreal held in there for a little bit, but I think Vegas kind of had it in the bag. The whole I thought time. we witnessed one of Carey Price's best performances last night, even though they lost 4-1. to one. I mean, yeah. he was phenomenal. The glove save he had on Mark Stone mm-hmm. on the two-on-one was just ridiculous. Yeah. I think, you know, they were bound to lose this game. They'd won, what, seven in a row up to this point. Um, I will be concerned if they drop the second one. I know you're never in trouble until you lose at home. We talked about that. But it they they get a game to figure this out against Vegas. They do. I'll allow them that. And, you know, I think Montreal fans shouldn't panic based on that. You know, you're playing a whole different caliber team right now. That You know, no offense to the, their opponents so far. Uh, in the Leafs and uh, in Winnipeg, but Vegas is a whole different monster. And I think, you know, you're allowed one game to kind of figure that shit out and be like, Oh shit, this is, <laughs> we got to make some adjustments here, change yeah. around some stuff here whatever. But if you come out flat in game two, like, see ya, you're no, not, not, this is not the team to be chasing in a series. And Mac, you watched the whole game, right? Uh, majority of it. Yeah. I was flipping between, uh, you know, basketball and baseball and stuff, but yeah, the, I felt like the entire second period, the Knights were on the power play. Yeah. Yeah. So that can't happen. Yeah. Montreal like can't allow that that to happen. No, they took way too many penalties. That's absolutely true. That second Vegas goal, I believe also on the power play where Theodore just gave a sonk of the century in the slot and then dished it over to Martinez who had a wide open cage. Yeah. That was such a great play, such a sick goal. And I think we're we're really seeing, and I've been saying it even before this we started this podcast. I was catching shit, you know, back when Vegas did the expansion draft. And I was saying Shea Theodore is gonna be a number one D man or something close something resembling that. And just, you know, what a play by him. He's having a great postseason. And Vegas's decor, you know, I think at the start of the year, maybe you could possibly pick on it a little bit, even though they signed Petro, but they are they Not are now they're fucking sick Damn. we won a lot of money on shea theodore point prop bets last playoffs i'm wondering yep. if you might, might want to boot that up bring it back yeah. yeah yeah i don't think that's a bad idea so one other thing about price i'll say real quick was that, that second goal where he was like way out of his crease and then he tried to like dive across and it was like oh basically like a wide open net that yeah. I mean you played a great game but also you can't lose your crease like that no that was the song goal I was just referencing yeah. I think he got he got faked out completely yeah. which yeah. understandably so but um game two predictions what are you thinking I think I'm gonna have to go Vegas on this one I yeah I have a every ounce of me wants to pick Montreal and I don't know why I'm doing this because I have a reason to hate all four teams left. So it's like, I don't know why I'm pulling for like ones over others, but I like every ounce of me wants to say Montreal, but it's like, my brain is like, no idiot. Like it's going to be a five to one Vegas win. Yeah. I'll be very pleasantly surprised if the Habs find a way to win this game. Cause a, I want them to win the series and B, I just always love a good series. So, you know, if they can actually make it one, one and make it interesting, head back to Montreal, I'll be, fired up about that but that being said i'm expecting like a 4-2 vegas win or something like that 
Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat as you guys. Although I love, uh, I love like game two overtime picks. Mac, you really spoke to me on that that Isles one. I think, I think game two, you know, one team has their their back up against the wall. They don't want to go down 2-0, and especially if you're the home team uh, in Tampa, but like they are right now. But I like those game two overtime picks. So I might have to might have to sprinkle a little bit on that tomorrow night as well. All right, fellas, I think that does it for for today's episode good yeah good stuff we we interviewed an nhl player we did pretty damn cool um you know we're gonna hopefully bounce back tonight and make a make a little money i actually just got a dm from our good friend mr dan DeSalvo, about getting a winner so we kind of need to do that for him um <laughs> you know should we tell him about the overtime pick <laughs> i will personally guy knows a guy knows a thing or two about overtime that's true i just checked plus 300 yeah I like it. I'm sold. Yeah. Uh, any final notes from you too? Oh, I forgot one of my rants from my trip. Um, sure. I ranted about the airport. Uh, so we stayed at the the Renaissance Hotel in Aruba. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. Um, so if you've never been, uh, they have like a like a smaller beach area like right on the property. Uh, but basically, like what they do is they ferry you to like a private island. So it's pretty cool it's not like you're around any other hotels it's private island they have restaurants you know beach bars and the coolest thing is they have like flamingos just walking around all over the beach like in and out of the people it's really cool you can get up and close and personal with them however what i observed when i was there was people um literally just walking around like holding their phone like this the entire time like I, it was like nonstop. It's like, do we go on trips anymore to do stuff or do all we care about is the pictures that we can post oh, on Instagram. You're on a phone rant. Hey? It was, it was so ridiculous. Like girls are like walking, like girls brought a tripod to the beach. I was like, it, it's not like you walked out of your hotel room with this one either. You had to bring it on the little boat to oh, yeah. get this, you know, photography style tripod. So you could like put it in the sand and then like do your little prance walk you know, next to the flamingos. And then of course you get too close and it bites you and it's hysterical for me, but uh, it was just, I'm like, come on people, like put the phone down, just go do something. Nick's old school. Yeah. Well, there's also ways to do it and not have it be like that. You and not have it be like obnoxious. Goddamn flamingo and not right. make it a fucking, you know, right. whole, whole episode or whatever. But. Right. And of course you had like the poor like boyfriend who like he goes on vacation with like, you know, boyfriend or husband, whatever, goes on vacation with his girlfriend or wife and is just spending his entire day at the beach just following her around with the phone. <laughs> do you do that? I do not. <laughs> I was yeah. fucking with you. I know you yeah. don't. <laughs> you know I don't. So. No, Nick's, yeah. they, they, Nick don't fly like that. Yeah. Although the, like between my, my mom and the wedding photographer, I like my jaw was sore from smiling. So for, for, for pic, I was like, okay, I'm done with pictures. No more. Uh, dude, it's, I hate when that shit kind of happens. There's yeah. no one who asks you to up sm- some Botox and yeah, literally and you're just like, all right, I'm good. For I'm like, I'm like, day. I need to like, you know, stop between takes, get a little jaw workout going. Cause do your guys' moms like just never stop asking for pictures too? Like, is that, a, is that it, every mom? It has not stopped in 26 years Definitely since I've been on thing. this earth. It has not stopped. It's a mom thing. Okay. Yeah. I was just making sure. Yeah. And it's I, like, it's all the time. And then it's instantly on Facebook and then like 
all, all the ants that I haven't spoken to in like five years are like writing comments all over it and stuff. Oh my God, Nick looks so good. Right. How about when parents check in on Facebook? They're like, oh so yeah, that's in at whatever restaurant. Yep. Like, and then post the picture of like an app and then like all of us slammed into like a booth together. Right. And they're all like, they're all, they check in like every place they go. It's like so-and-so right. checked in at like <laughs> auto body shop or whatever. It's like, all right, all right, yeah. Uncle John, I know you're getting your car fixed or whatever. But it's like, like cool it's like while you're out of your house i'm gonna go steal your shit because I, you just told me you're out of your house like yeah. i also used to get it all the time my mom and i would be at like a restaurant and uh you know we'd just have ordered an appetizer or whatever and we're waiting for it to come back and she's like oh i'm gonna check in she pulls out she's checking in and she's like do you want me to tag you on the check-in and i'm like i don't I, I don't i don't even use facebook i don't care you can do whatever you want I'm just it's like, amazing far. like facebook was like this amazing like social networking tool for like really let's be real it was targeted at people a little a couple years older than us yeah maybe five years older than us and then now it's just i feel like it's just dominated by like our parents age group just like oh yeah you know uh they have like all these different like groups that they're part of like my uncle's in like a boating group and has like his little you know, like car facebook page and stuff Does he like know that. And, uh i'm sure he actually he might oh shit there yeah <laughs> all right well now that we just dismantled everybody b- born before 1990 uh yeah. i think that we are okay to conclude this episode yeah. sorry Put- denny 4500 <laughs> <laughs> oh you know denny 4500 he him and the old lady he checks in at applebee's like once a week he has his three miller lights and he's listening know. right now he's like oh yeah. i'm never listening again <laughs> What's the what's the one dollar deals at Applebee's in the summers? Isn't it like oh yeah. yeah, yeah. He straight. You guys seen those, those ads? I think this is from Applebee's for the Dew Garita, the Mountain Dew Margarita. Oh my god, the Mountain Dew Margarita. The That's Dew not a Garita, thing. Dude. That's not. Is a that thing. where you're going after this? Maybe, maybe. Oh my god. A couple god. Dew Garitas. Oh my god. <laughs> that just yeah, screams like instant vomit yeah yeah Yeah. vomit neon green vomit and the color of it is concerning for sure (laughs) that's not a color that's produced in nature yeah (laughs) no only artificial flavoring that's actually right and on that note yeah yeah i think (laughs) yeah we get you well thank you everybody for listening we appreciate the support uh really you know cool episode for us honestly a milestone so um, thanks for helping us get to this point. We hope to do more stuff like this in the future. Be on the lookout on our social media platforms. Go check out the merch shop. And new stuff coming soon, very soon. Yes, and it's uh, going to be huge. And if yeah, and if Mac hits overtime tonight, you know we'll see. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's a little hint. All right, everybody, thank you very much. And without further ado, class dismissed. <laughs>